After starting the 2023 college football season off with a soul-crushing anti-clutch loss to Minnesota, a loss to Colorado where Matt Rule, Marcus Satterfield, then starting quarterback Jeff Sims, and the entire team looked lost and demoralized, and then after two wins against garbage non-conference opponents, Nebraska gets flattened, crushed, by the beast that is the Michigan Wolverines. Nebraska is now on a three-game win streak all over Big Ten West Division opponents, and Nebraska controls their own destiny to a certain degree. They have a tie-breaking loss that goes in Minnesota's favor, but Nebraska has to play at Michigan State. They host Maryland, both Michigan State and Maryland, lost. In Week 9, they have to travel at Wisconsin, who also lost in Week 9. And then finally, they host Iowa, who we have known for a few weeks now, with it being a rivalry game and the Hawkeyes having to travel to Memorial Stadium, that is a winnable matchup. And the Hawkeyes just announced that Brian Ferentz will not return next season, and they're on a bye week, or they were on a bye week, after they themselves faced a soul-crushing, anti-clutch loss to Minnesota. What is it with Minnesota and P.J. Fleck snatching victory from the jaws of defeat? That's something that I really admire, really admire about Minnesota, is their ability to be clutch and face adversity. And I think in watching this game, I have seen similar energy and similar toughness radiate from this Husker team, and we're only in year one of the Matt Rule era. So there is a lot to be excited about when it comes to Nebraska, not just in the medium to long-term future, but dare I say it, in the short term, because this team, with Minnesota traveling to Ohio State, with Wisconsin and Iowa looking beatable, and Michigan State and Maryland, they have had their own rough patches, This team can win the West. They can. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And wouldn't it be the funniest thing in the world if Nebraska won the Big Ten West this year after I predicted them to win the West last year? You could say that my prediction for 2022, if Nebraska ends up winning the division, was a year too early. But even if they don't, Nebraska's 5-3. and They have a 3-2 record in the Big Ten West. It's tied for first in the division along with Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. They have a lot of cards that they can play, and I I like the toughness this team is showing, especially on defense, and special teams showed out against Purdue as well. Before we resume this episode, please subscribe to this channel. Hit the big red subscribe button so that we can show out our support to Go Big Red. Like the video, hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I cover Nebraska football, Purdue football, and the Big Ten as a whole. Next year, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington are joining the conference. And with the changes that are coming to the college football landscape, to the Big Ten conference, and Nebraska recruiting at a high level, winning games, you know, hitting stride at the right time, toward the middle and the end of the season after 
surviving, though not unscathed, through the initial months of September and October, there's so much to love about Big Ten football, and Nebraska football, I think, is gaining some juice back. Also, please check out my Patreon page via the link in the description if you want to support the channel, and also, depending on your tier, if you want to gain additional content, content that helps you potentially predict games, bet against the spread, pick money lines, etc. Potential Power had an amazing week yet again in projecting money lines and picking who was going to win and lose. It had a very rough week, though. I think our worst so far this year when it came to predicting spreads. So hopefully that changes. But Nebraska, Potential Power picked them to beat Northwestern handily and also to beat Purdue by double digits. Meanwhile, Purdue before this scheme kicked off, was actually a one-point favorite. So a lot of people, Corn Crazed mentioned this in his instant reaction, whether it's Vegas insiders or general college football fans, people were looking at this game, and there was something about Purdue that they liked and something about Nebraska that they didn't like. Potential power, before I move on, I just want to say, I don't want to give it too much credit. It picked Illinois to beat Nebraska by a hair, Thankfully, of course, the Huskers came out with a big 20-7 to win on the road that kick-started this now three-game win streak over Big Ten West opponents, Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue. Now Nebraska has to travel on the road to play Michigan State, and we will be previewing that video probably later in the week, but previewing it nonetheless, as it is a home game for the Spartans, their final of the year, and if they want to win... This is another opportunity for them to pick up their third win of the season and improve from 2-6. and six. For Nebraska, it's probably one of their easiest games on paper for the rest of the season. But to get back to this game, I can see in watching this matchup why people thought that Purdue was going to win or why they would be favored. Nebraska could not help themselves but turn over the football. And when Jeff Sims had that fumble, and when Kydron Jenkins, great defensive lineman, when he picked up that ball and ran it back for a 55-yard score, and Hudson Card completed his his pass to Andrew Sowanowski for a two-point conversion, making up for his previously failed two-point conversion pass with nine minutes and nine seconds left when Purdue scored their only offensive touchdown of the game, I thought to myself that if that was a Scott Frost team, Nebraska might have totally collapsed at that moment, despite having that 24 to nothing lead. Those two scores, that failed fourth down conversion, the fumble, the way it took the oxygen out of the stadium, I imagine the players were demoralized as well. I thought to myself, that would have been, it could have, and probably would have been disastrous if Scott Frost was on the sidelines and if he was coaching and managing that team, but he wasn't. And Nebraska responded with a six-play, 48-yard touchdown drive capped off with an awesome Emmett Johnson 28-yard run that took two minutes and 29 seconds off the clock. Nebraska said, who cares? You know, we made mistakes, but we came out with a win, a 17-point win, a dominant win, where they had 33 minutes and one second of possession Dominating T.O.P., Purdue had 33 pass attempts, 29 rushing attempts. Nebraska, once again, like 40 to 50 carries, 48 carries specifically, 
only 11 passes. Nebraska is Nebraska right now in my mind. This is a gross oversimplification. This Nebraska team to compare the Huskers to fellow Big Ten West rivals or comrades, whatever you want to call the other Big Ten West schools, Nebraska right now reminds me of 2021 Wisconsin when Paul Chris took Graham Mertz completely out of the game and just ran Chesmalusi and Braylon Allen. More so, more so, Nebraska reminds me of 2021 and 2022 Minnesota, or again, run the football, except Minnesota did that basically for the entire season. And also, Nebraska reminds me, Corn Craze talked about this in some of his videos and live reactions, that if Nebraska can just be like Iowa and just play great defense, improve on special teams, and have an offense that is not as bad as this year or last year's Iowa offense, then the Huskers can do damage. Well, what we're seeing here is a Nebraska team that plays awesome defensively, a Nebraska team who has a reliable kicker in Tristan Alvano. Alvano hit a long of 55 and was 4 of 4 on extra points. This year, he's 5 of 9 for field goals, a long of 55. He's 1 of 4 from 40 to 49, but he does have power. He's 21 of 21 on extra points. And also, Brian Buschini averaging 45.6 yards per punt, 2 inside the 20, one touchback, a long of 59. All I'm going to say is Nebraska special teams, also with their elite punt coverage in this game specifically, for the whole season, I'm not going to say elite, but in this game, special teams was paramount, and it was in favor of the Huskers. And Nebraska, you know, getting some decent kick returns, punt returns, more importantly, the blocked field goal. That's a big-time play. Purdue, they have, a, they have a chance to get some points on the board, get momentum swinging their way after Heinrich Harburg had two touchdown passes in the second quarter, a 73-yard pass to Jalen Lloyd and a one-yard pass to Thomas Fedoni. Nope. Quinton Newsome returns a 68-yard blocked field goal. And that was off of a play, Purdue's field goal attempt, and that drive was off of a Nebraska turnover. So special teams and defense for Nebraska were constantly picking up the broken glass, the broken china, the broken whatever you want to call it, the broken plates functionally that was Nebraska's offense. Nebraska's offense had a few highlights, the 73-yard pass to Jalen Lloyd being one of them, Emmett Johnson having 13 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown, nailing Purdue's coffin with that 28-yard run. He's my player of the game for that reason. But the offense was really messy. I mean, it was not a pretty picture at all. Four turnovers, 277 total yards, despite the the defense and special teams showing out and giving Nebraska multiple possessions. They couldn't even break 300 yards on a defense that really all Purdue's defense is good at is occasionally having good plays in the secondary with guys like Sanusi Kane and then Cam Allen, and they have good defensive linemen like Kydron Jenkins and Yanni Karloftis, who's a good pass rusher. Purdue had three sacks, nine tackles for loss. Purdue's a defense that will and can get to the passer. Nebraska's defense had one sack, 
eight tackles for loss, and a pass defended. Um, Purdue had a good defensive game, but I'd say a lot of their performance on the defensive side of the ball could also be contributed to by Nebraska's countless mistakes. But they made mistakes, they lost the turnover battle, and they won. And they won by 17 points. I got to tell you right now, I and Potential Power and most other systems that I looked at, like from a statistical vantage point, I had no clue why the spread was that small. In my mind, looking at this game and watching these two teams, I'm thinking to myself, Nebraska is going to run these guys into the ground. I mean, they're going to kill them. Purdue is injured. They're down several offensive linemen. Tyrone Tracy was their best running back. He's still down. Devin Mockaby is a good player, and Hudson Card's a decent quarterback, but they don't have protection. Mockaby's had fumble problems, and Purdue's you know, leading receiver, Deion Burks, he's great. But overall, you know, you look at Purdue and they're not fully healthy. They're not cohesive. They're in a rebuild. Tyrone Tracy, by the way, 10 carries, but only for 29 yards. I don't know if he's fully healthy or not. He he was dealing with an injury and he was out for several games. I just looked at this matchup and I'm not always right. I'm not a genius. I don't claim to. But in this instance, my my I was totally right in that sense. And I didn't make a preview video for this game because, again, last week was very time-consuming. But I was confident that Nebraska was going to earn their fifth win of the season. But I can also understand why people were waging on Purdue to win because the amount of mistakes that Nebraska's offense made was crazy. Nebraska forced three turnovers. They held Hudson Card to 3.1 yards per pass attempt. Purdue, on average, gained more yards on a rushing attempt than a passing attempt. Classic Big Ten football for an offense that has Graham Harrell as its offensive coordinator. That's heresy. Period, amen, it's heresy. Hudson Card was held to a 10.6 quarterback efficiency rating. Heinrich Harburg, was he perfect? No, but 67.7 quarterback efficiency rating, 22 rushing yards, 122 passing yards, only 11 passing attempts, so he was spoon-fed passes, but you you have to take what you get, and Nebraska earned another win. Emmett Johnson, Heinrich Harburg, uh, Joshua Fleeks had three carries, Anthony Grant had six, Emmett Johnson in this game looked like Nebraska's best running back, and that's incredible because he's a freshman. 5'11", 190 pounds from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I I bet you P.J. Fleck would love to have Emmett Johnson in his running back room right now with all the injuries that they're dealing with, and they are still running for gobs of yards and chewing the clock. It's Again, to make another comparison to a Big Ten West team, I really like how Minnesota and Nebraska so far have set themselves up and how they've responded to early adversity that they've faced. Nebraska got punched in the mouth by Colorado. They choked that game away to Minnesota, and Michigan basically rolled up a Cuban cigar and smoked it until it was, you know, all ash. 
the Cuban cigar being Nebraska, of course, in that 45-7 to victory for Michigan. And yet here's Nebraska. They're treating every week like its own individual season. And that's what you have to do. And if they continue to do that with the talent they have, they'll beat Michigan State. The Maryland game will be hard fought, but Maryland right now is on a three-game losing streak. And Josh Gaddis, I've had gripes about him. Miami fans have had gripes about him. I mean, people have gripes about Josh Gaddis, and rightfully so as an offensive coordinator. And I, I can't imagine that Talia Tagovailoa will have a great time against the Blackshirts, who truly now are the Blackshirts. Nebraska is 21st in points allowed per game, only allowing 18.6 points per game. And outside of Maryland, I don't think Michigan State, Wisconsin, or Iowa are going to be scoring more than 18, 19, 20 points, 21 points on this defense. I don't see that happening. So we should be impressed with Nebraska and the job that Matt Rule is doing so far. Is this job perfect? No. Are there coaching changes? more, you know, more obviously roster changes that need to be made, of course. But this is year one, and if Nebraska beats Michigan State, then Matt Rule in one year has already done more than Scott Frost did in four and a half years, which is crazy to say. Um, So, I mean, part of me is stuttering right now and almost speechless because I know that Nebraska hasn't reached bowl eligibility yet. There's still four games left to be played. But there is a window of opportunity, a massive window of opportunity for Nebraska in this portion of the season that hasn't existed since 2016. I mean, it is the second to last day of October, and Nebraska's hopes for winning the division are alive their hopes of going bowling are alive and likely to be fulfilled. I think that for Nebraska, you just have to continue to survive and give the ball to players like Emmett Johnson and let Heinrich Harburg be fluid. I mean, he is just phenomenal athlete. You know, he has a lot of potential, and I'm excited to see where his development goes. And he now is a top 100 quarterback efficiency rating, which for a Big Ten West quarterback, I think is amongst the upper levels there. So 31 to 14, good win for Nebraska at this point, any win, whether it's close, whether it's by a mile and in dominant performance like Nebraska's 2021 win against Northwestern, you have to take it if you're a Nebraska fan, because every win continues to build momentum and continues to build progress. I can't say the same for Purdue and Ryan Walters. His players clearly believe in him. You saw that in the fourth quarter when Purdue's down, you know, 24 to nothing, and they don't give up. They continue to fight through adversity. I believe in Ryan Walters as well. I think that he is a obviously great defensive mind, and I think that he will be a good head coach, and I think he will prove himself to be that. However, Purdue continues They continue to lose 195 offensive yards, two touchdowns, and one of those was a defensive score. They won the turnover battle, and they still lost. They had a late surge, and it wasn't enough to overcome a Nebraska team that honestly was just determined to win. 
Purdue's air raid offense looks completely dysfunctional. 16 of 32 for 100 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Hudson Card averaging three yards per pass attempt. And on the ground, he had 22 yards on 11 carries. He got sacked one time, constantly being pressured and harassed by Tony White's defense. Purdue needs to find wins. They really do. We were just talking about, you know, Nebraska's schedule. Purdue also has four games left. They're traveling to Michigan, which is a game that I will obviously preview. They're traveling to Michigan. Michigan's favored by more than 30 points. They then host Minnesota, and then they have games against Northwestern on the 18th, and they host Indiana on the 25th. Purdue needs to find a way to win in their remaining four games. They need to find a way to at least win, I'd say, two of those games. Get some momentum entering, you know, the postseason of 2023, the preseason of 2024. Get some momentum, rejuvenate the fan base, rejuvenate your locker room. Uh, Indiana at home's the most likely win looking at the future schedule. Northwestern, also beatable. Minnesota, not as beatable as Northwestern or Indiana in my mind, but home matchup. The Gophers are playing everyone close. The Gophers are also 5-3 and three like Nebraska. They still have a negative point differential. I mean, P.J. Fleck, as I mentioned earlier, is thriving this year off of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Minnesota, you change you change two plays. Ethan Kaliak-Manis throws an inaccurate ball on 4th and 10 to open up the year, and Cooper DeGene's punt is his punt return is ruled valid. Minnesota is 3-5, and five, and their team would probably be close to flatlining in a lot of respects. So Purdue needs to find a way to, whether it's Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana, the unthinkable on the road against Michigan, they have to find a way to win some football games. Because starting off your coaching career in a Big Ten school, with a 2-10 and ten record, it's not good. It, it isn't. And I thought that Purdue had enough pieces to go 5-7. and 3-9, and 4-8 is looking more likely now, and this team could go 2-10 and ten with the injuries they're suffering through. Uh, the offensive line's busted because of these injuries. I honestly feel bad. Um, I hate injuries. I think every college football fan ought to hate injuries, even if those injuries are two. The, the, the team... The school, the the rival that they hate the most, injuries suck. No college football player with limited eligibility, with an unknown recovery timetable, deserves injuries. None of them do. Um, Purdue does have a decent recruiting class, so I think in the long haul, we're going to see them compete. I think that Purdue has a better future, um, long-term and short-term, in, in my mind, than Indiana and Northwestern. Northwestern's 4-4. Four and four. They're finding ways to win and be tough. Part of me wouldn't be surprised if that 4-4 four and four record was overinflated, but maybe I'm wrong there. So, Purdue's 2-6. and six. Overall, their defensive line was probably the best unit of the entire game. You know, Kedron Jenkins recom- recovering that fumble and returning it for 6. 
getting nine tackles for loss, getting several pressures and sacks, really limiting this Nebraska offense. Nebraska only rushed for 3.2 yards per carry. And Nebraska overall went 7 of 14 on third down, and they were 0 of 1 on fourth down. So Purdue did a serviceable job of stopping Nebraska's offense. The problem is you give up six points on a blocked field goal returned for six, and when it matters most, Emmett Johnson runs in for that final touchdown, and that's game. Purdue only had 99 passing yards and 96 rushing yards. Unless you are Iowa, and even then, I don't think so. You are not winning games if you can't break triple digits in passing or rushing total yardage. You're not going to win football games. You're not. Purdue was 0 of 3 on fourth down, 5 of 16 on third down. They had 10 first downs. They had two interceptions thrown, one fumble lost. Nine penalties for 99 yards. Purdue was a mess. They're two and six, one and four in conference. Their best win is that blowout victory over Illinois. Illinois themselves right now, along with Purdue, is sitting at the bottom of the Big Ten West with a one and four record. Though Illinois does have an additional non-conference win because they have a much easier schedule than Purdue. So they have a three and five overall record. I look at Purdue and Ryan Walters, and I hope that Ryan Walters succeeds in the preseason when he had his first Big Ten Media Days appearance. I don't want to make too much out of Media Days, but Ryan Walters to me comes across as an honest tactician, someone who loves his players, and what he's done with that defense after the amount that Purdue lost on both sides of the football is impressive. It's more so the offense, despite having Deion Burks, a decent running back room when healthy, and Hudson Card that has been the more concerning area for Purdue. Along with their special teams, their kicking game this year, awful. They need a kicker either from the portal or a true freshman who they can recruit. Now going back to the Cornhuskers. Matt Rule right now, he has every right to wear the shades because, well, they're about to go, they're probably about to go bowling. I don't want to jump on that too early. But they're 5-3. and three. The remaining four games, all of them are winnable. Corn Crazed and I talked about how Nebraska, you know, looking forward at their schedule, there's a chance that, you know, they could have won out after the Michigan game, except probably dropping one game. But there's a chance that after they were 2-3 and three, that they could, you know, finish 6-1 and one or 5-2, and two, most likely losing to Wisconsin on the road, or dropping a game at home to Maryland, who at the time that Corn Crazed and I talked, and also, like, I think after the Illinois game or after the Michigan game, I forget when he went live, but he discussed that he thought Maryland or Wisconsin was a likely loss for Nebraska. Maryland just laid an egg to Northwestern. Wisconsin is themselves banged up, much like Purdue. They don't have Tanner Mordecai. Braden Locke would be locked down, pun intended, by this Nebraska defense. And if Braylon Allen is sadly out for the rest of the season, same with Chimri DK, I don't anticipate how Wisconsin's offense is going to be able to do anything against Tony White's defense, which, by the way, again, top 20, top 20 in points allowed per game, top 10 in yards allowed per play. 
this defense is among one of the better defenses in all of college football. It really is. And the progression that they have made since the beginning of the season up until now is impressive. And unlike many of these, you know, Big Ten West teams, this defense has played great offenses, offenses that can score points quickly and offenses that matter, Colorado and Michigan. Michigan right now is one of the best offenses in the country, and Colorado, they were shut down by UCLA and Oregon, and those are Pac-12 teams that have great defenses. They were able to score points on USC, and a lot of them, they were able to score points on Nebraska, but only after Jeff Sims and that offense continued to turn over the football and continue to punt the ball away. So, of course, Nebraska's defense was going to get worn down. 277 offensive yards and four touchdowns. Nebraska, in turn, wore Purdue down, and they were beginning to wear down every opponent that they face. Again, three-game win streak, and to go back to my earlier point, there's a chance that Nebraska can finish the year not just eight and four or seven and five. They could finish the regular season nine and three. Michigan State's beatable. Maryland, beatable. Wisconsin, beatable. Iowa, well, if Mickey Joseph and Casey Thompson and a defense that was one of the worst in all of the Big Ten last year, at least at the start of the season, if they could beat Iowa, why can't why can't Nebraska win on their own home field with a much better team while Iowa somehow has an even worse offense than they did last year with Deacon Hill replacing the injured Kate McNamara as a starter? Thankfully, Kate McNamara is returning next year. I hope not just as a Michigan fan, but as a college football fan that he balls out and has a great season. I mean, he's been through a lot with injuries at Michigan, a season-ending injury at Iowa, great leader, great man. Hopefully he has a good year next season. But to get back to Nebraska, they have control of their own destiny. I know that Minnesota has that tie-breaking win over them, but Minnesota has to travel to Ohio State. And we can all nod our heads in agreement that that is likely going to be a loss. If Minnesota goes 3-1 and to finish the season and Nebraska goes 4-0, and it doesn't matter in a sense, that Nebraska lost to Minnesota because Minnesota will have one additional conference loss to the Huskers. If the Huskers win out, in all likelihood, they are going to Indy unless Minnesota pulls off some crazy upset, which Illinois nearly upset Michigan in their own stadium before Michigan went on to beat Ohio State on the road. If Ohio State's overlooking Minnesota to focus on Michigan and to try and execute a game plan they think will be successful, watch out. Minnesota might be able to play in a close game, but I don't see P.J. Fleck going into Columbus and beating a team that's much more talented than his. And I also think Ryan Day is a better coach than P.J. Fleck and has a better coaching staff. So Nebraska, they have a lot of cards to play. Right now, this team, in spite of their injuries, can run the football. They have a capable quarterback, a quarterback who might be the best in the Big Ten West. Dare I say it. I mean, it's it's crazy, crazy to think that. But it could be the reality. 
Special teams also excelled. This has been a consistent issue with Nebraska ever since Scott Frost began his tenure with the Huskers. Special teams was non-existent, and Frost didn't care about special teams. Well, Nebraska now cares about special teams. They have a kicker who is accurate and who has a leg. They have a good punter in Brian Buscini, who was picked up before the 2022 season by Scott Frost when, too little too late, he finally started caring about special teams. And Nebraska has players on the defensive line and on the offensive line and at linebacker and at any position that matters in special teams who are tough enough to execute plays. The Cornhuskers tackle well. They pursue well. They have good speed. They are finally using their top 25 talent roster. They're finally using it efficiently. And that's great. This is a Matt Rule team. You can tell by the fact that they run 48 times and only pass 11. Of course, Matt Rule wants to pass more than he is right now. But Nebraska's maximizing their chances to win. If Heinrich Harburg is going to be asked to pass the football 30 times a game, he will be eighth in Kaliak Manus, and that likely will result in a Nebraska loss. But what he has that Ethan Kaliak Manus doesn't, for example, is he has legs, and he has the capability of being one of college football's best dual-threat quarterbacks if he's developed properly. And him you know, rushing the ball for 19 times, only getting 22 yards, but nonetheless, his presence was a threat. And that forces defenses to change and adapt. He has 446 rushing yards on the year for four rushing touchdowns. He has seven touchdown passes, four interceptions. He's averaging 6.8 yards per pass attempt, which right now is higher than Penn State's Drew Aller. And he has a 120.6 passer rating and a 46.3 quarterback efficiency rating. I think the Matt Rule era is off to a great start in Lincoln. And I gotta say, along with the fact that I've mentioned Minnesota a lot in this video, I think Minnesota and Nebraska, it's one of those two teams that is going to win the Big Ten West, in my mind. And if Nebraska is going to win out, if you told me the Cornhuskers will win out in the month of November, which is not likely, but it's possible, if you told me that right here, right now, I would confidently assume that they were going to Indianapolis. So... Incredible times right now if you're a Cornhusker fan. I mean, just a few weeks ago, a lot of Nebraska fans were ready to give up on the season. Right now, there's only a reason to be all in and invested in this team and the future of Cornhusker football. Thank you so much for watching this video. I want to give a quick shout out to my Patreon sponsors, Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted, my All-American patrons and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, and Chris Lane, my all-conference patrons. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and via my pinned comment. And if your name hasn't appeared on here yet, I am going to update the list tomorrow, like I do every Tuesday slash Wednesday, whenever my first preview and prediction video for the following weekend releases. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.